episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Josh Horowitz from 5 Minutes of Trouble and 5 Minutes of Bonsai, and my co-host, as always, Brett Stillo, author of 101 Ways to Prepare Brook Trout. Welcome, Brett. And I'm working on 102. <laughs> but this is not the time nor place to be, cuss- to be, to be cussing. Well, it's not the time or place to be cussing or discussing trout. Discussing trout, yes. Yeah, I, I think I've been on this train too long, and I've had maybe one too many Gibsons. Oh. I've lost count. I just, I notice all the tiny little glasses that are surrounding us right now. They are so small, I've, yes. They're very small. <laughs> and uh, this is our last episode. Yeah, yeah, it is our last episode. Uh, it's been fun just doing this for... Uh, one minute at a time. Uh, I, I, I think we should stay on the train and and just keep going with this. They can't make us leave, can that's, they? That's right. Well, well, we could always hide in in the bathroom, I suppose. We sh- we definitely could hide in the bathroom <laughs> and should. Of course, <laughs> there are certain drawbacks to that. I I just ordered a peanut butter and jelly sandwich from oh. the train's menu. It cost me thirty five dollars. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I guess peanuts go for a lot these days. <laughs> they ain't cheap. Nope. They ain't cheap, but they're good with the Gibsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, minute 50. Yeah. What happens in minute 50, Josh? So, let's see. Minute 50 starts with Roger being served his trouty brook trout, and it ends with Eve bemoaning the book she's been reading. So much in 60 seconds. Mm. And I, I do feel we've reached... Uh, really a special point after all the talk about the trout mm-hmm. and the troutiness of it. He's finally eating it. Yes. He finally has it. He's eating it. It does not seem to be too trouty for him. No, no. He's he uh, he's eating it and he makes sure to have some good conversation with his uh, newfound uh, young, young lady who has invited him. He actually gets oh, her name finally. The name. Eva Marie... Saint plays Eve Kendall. Yeah, Eve now Kendall. Now that's a stretch. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you would have to think that uh, the name came after the casting, but but I don't know. Is that uh, a common thing? I, I'll bet you it was just a happy accident. That hmm? uh, just you know the character was probably Eve Kendall, and they you know Hitchcock cast Eve Marie Saint. Remember, he had asked. Uh, Grace Kelly and Kim Novak, and I believe there were a few other actresses who were in the running before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he selected Eva Marie Saint. Ooh, that's right. And as I, re- yeah, as I recall, we talked about the fact that MGM was not real excited about that part. They thought someone else could do it. And uh, So anyway, she is Eve Kendall. Uh, did you know she was 26? Well, at least in this she is. Oh, yes. Mean, how old was she around this time? I believe, yeah, Eva Marie Saint was, oh, I think 33 or 34. Uh-huh. It's it's interesting that she mentions her name. or <laughs> It's interesting that, you know, she <laughs> mentions her name and then her age. Right. Uh, as if that's something you do. I feel like that's just a callback to the 50s yeah. when, uh, you know, it was just an important to know, yes, I'm, I'm not married and I'm under 30. Hmm. Uh, it almost seems like it's a, a throwback to the Victorian age and the concept of a spinster. 
but yeah, 26 and unmarried. I wish she had also mentioned her blood type. <laughs> that would be helpful. Uh, but yeah, I guess these are the, you want to get the important things out when you meet somebody, you know, you'll like, like a Cary Grant. Roger seems kind of nonplussed about it. Yeah. Through this conversation, you know, he's charming, but he's also wary. You know, what makes this conversation so fun is it, it is, you know, it's a bit of a push and a pull. It's a bit of a contest. There's, there's attraction, but there's anxiety with it. So really, it's like watching a really great tennis match here. Yeah. He's, he's sort of cool and collected throughout this whole exchange. You know, it, it, it can be sort of described like a tennis match in a way. Yeah, very much like a tennis match. I also imagine, you know, Rogers could be starved. No. <laughs> Well, hasn't he been eating that trout? Well, yeah, he's eating it now. But when did, you know when was the last time he ate it? This is a man on the run. Mm. Uh, he had a lot to drink earlier. You know, <laughs> he had a lot to drink. He had a lot to drink. They, they probably didn't give him much in the cell. Bread no. and water, maybe. No. We we could assume that maybe he got a hot dog at Grand Central. Uh-huh. But we have no actual visual evidence of this. So <laughs> it's just one of those things I wonder about when I'm watching an action adventure movie and, the, you know, the hero jumps on a train bound for Chicago. And I think, have you eaten? You should <laughs> grab a sandwich for crying out loud. Have a $35 peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, <laughs> but uh, she's got an interesting job, doesn't she? She mentions that she's an industrial designer. Yeah, that that threw me at first. You know, what what's an industrial designer? What do they do? They they design industries. <laughs> yeah, this this tackle box factory. This is how I envision it. Uh, but uh, no, I actually went to the our friend the internet and uh, industrial designers. Now I get it. We're talking about household items, products, mm. furniture. So the reason that certain refrigerators happened to be, uh, you know, colored like avocados, that was what an industrial designer would have done during the 50s. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very cool job in the very, you know, consumer savvy, modern post-war mm-hmm. 1950s. I mean, there were some legendary people who were industrial designers, Raymond Lowry mm-hmm. or Lowry, mm-hmm. uh, Charles and Ray Eames, you know, yeah. the Eames chairs and everything. I actually encountered... Uh, uh, the Eames chair, uh, when I was trying to do some research from work, I, I guess it's considered still, you know, like a very contemporary looking chair, very sought after, high expensive, yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> I feel like this is a, a fascinating job for Eve Kendall to have in the 1950s. I mean, would that have been something that women would have had back then? Or was that a very progressive thing for a woman to be an industrial designer? Very good point. Well, again, I think if you look at Ray Eames, uh, you know, definitely. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, it, with Eve Kendall, uh, she's got a career and she's got a pretty cool career. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, other Hitchcock, I'm doing awful today, Josh. Okay. Unlike other Hitchcock blondes, uh, in uh, in. Well, I'm trying to remember what was uh, Kim Novak's job in uh, in Vertigo. Did she have one? You know, when Jimmy Stewart finds her again, you know, I think she just has an, uh, a store job. You know, I'm thinking about uh, Grace Kelly. Uh-huh. In Rear Window, her job is she's a socialite heiress, and I think she might be a model. Hmm. But she has she's a very glamorous person, but she doesn't really have a job either other than being Grace Kelly. Same thing in To Catch a Thief. Uh, she's an heiress, 
uh, a socialite on vacation in uh, in the south of France. Mm. Tough kink. But here we have <laughs> Eva Marie Saint is Eve Kendall, and she has a job, a career, a position. Kind of an interesting contrast to uh, Roger Thornhill's job as an ad man. Yeah, no kidding. That's a good point. They're both involved in uh, consumer products. She's designing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's selling them. That's right. Yeah. And you <laughs> mentioned a, a, an avocado-colored refrigerator. I could picture Eve Kendall designing a really cool refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And and maybe a chair. Maybe maybe a train. Maybe she's designed huh. this train cars. So. Hmm. But of course, we'll learn more about just who she is in minutes that we're not going to handle, but other people will. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but one thing that, that cracks me up, the coffee cups. The don't cups. They seem abs- yeah. Don't they seem absolutely tiny? It's, it's the... Uh... Well, everything is tiny on this train, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's, not the prices, it's just, though. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you get... You you don't get a lot back, but mm-hmm. uh, no, it's just it's it's just interesting. I mean, not just this movie, but other movies from uh, the forties, fifties, sixties. You know, it's it's those little tiny teacups or coffee cups. You know, they, you know, six to eight ounces tops. <laughs> uh, they they would be just I think appalled by uh, some of our venties yeah. and uh, you know our caffeinated drinks today you know our, our 32 gallon cups well i just think people in general probably ate a lot less back in those days you know the, yeah. the, the whole supersizing thing has become a trend maybe in the last 20 30 years but yeah you know having a, a small amount that filled you up and yeah you know, that, that was what you did right i now i want to see roger's trout <laughs> i think you and i would be shocked we'd look up at the waiter and say where's the rest of it <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> uh, but let, let's see so i mean some of the other stuff that they do in this minute uh is an interesting line about how how roger says uh you know oh you know are you, you're not luring men to their doom on the 20th century limited uh in the script they referred to it as the new york central uh, so perhaps you know going on the limited was never an original intent that was something maybe they did later that's interesting, you know, because the, I mean, the, I believe the 20th Century Limited was the the premier line of the New York Central. Maybe it was just a matter of, uh, you know, product placement or just that was, you know, that was a name, hmm. the, the 20th Century Limited. It's a little flashier. Uh, I, I, su- I suppose it would be sort of like uh, alluding to uh, flying on a 747. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Instead of saying "Oh, Pan American Airways" or or something like that, but uh, I don't know. I think maybe maybe Roger just thinks like an ad man because that line almost sounds like it could be copy. Huh. And I could picture, you know, a magazine ad that says, "You know, ride the 20th Century Limited and yeah. be lured to your death by a mysterious woman." <laughs> uh, well, do you think they had to get permission to even you know use the name 20th Century Limited, or was it just not as much of an issue back then? God, that's a very good question. I'm going to say not uh you know everything is so prominently displayed you know when we go back to uh, you know minute 46 and the train's leaving and there's the there's the red carpet so uh yeah i'll i'll, I'll bet you it was just sort of free publicity hmm. nobody gave a second thought to but no oh, interesting yeah and then let's see uh roger talks about himself and and he 
tries to convince her that uh, he's not who he really is. And he, he says that he's Jack Phillips, Western sales manager of King Bee Electronics. So naturally, I had to look up and see if there really is a King Bee Electronics. But uh, sadly, uh, no, there is no King Bee Electronics. There was There's a King no... Electronics, I think there was. Ah, but no King Bee Electronics. <laughs> no King Bee. Uh, but the interesting thing was that there, uh, there is a famous Jack Phillips. Do tell. He was the radio operator on the Titanic, who uh, I guess famously used SOS for the first time. So was that an intentional thing, or were they just using a name? That's you know, for some reason, uh, I would say it's it's just a random name. Mm-hmm. But but the you know the the symbolism of a man sending out an SOS and he's in <laughs> trouble and that. Uh, I did. It could be Hitchcock and his sense of humor, mm. but uh, it's funny, you know, reviewing this minute and you know and watching the whole movie. I just I just assumed that was maybe somebody Roger uh, had in his office three days earlier before huh. everything went nuts. He just uh, oh, I did have that meeting with Jack Phillips. Yes, I'm Jack Phillips. Yeah, he seems so confident about it when he says it too. Like if yeah. he didn't know, you know, you'd probably say, oh, oh, Mister Mister Phillips. <laughs> yeah. That's just, you know, it's it's not in the script, but it's just an assumption that uh, he just, you know, the first name he, that came to mind was a client that he, he met with in New York a couple of days earlier. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm. yeah, it, it does have a, a, a very 50s name sound to it. You know, Jack Phillips could also be a game show host uh, <laughs> or, or possibly a radio disc jockey. Coming in live on the air, this is Jack Phillips. Right. It could be. Right. Yeah, it just has that was, that was a very good AM radio voice, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. That was very top forty. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh but yeah, again, it's everything is just it's so cool and it's back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh it's it's Grant making the most of those double takes. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, even Marie Saint just keeps playing it cool and you know, she's barely looking up. Uh, past your coffee cup, but uh, you know, uh, Grant gets a little squirmy here and there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's called on, uh, or his his bluff is immediately called. Uh, you know, she she knows exactly who she is or who he is, and uh, uh, we, we get that great whoops by Cary Grant here. Yeah, that that whoops means everything to me. It's <laughs> the greatest whoops in motion picture history. Again, you go back to the script and you read it, and Roger, to me, on, on paper, is a little more wound up, a little more self-absorbed. He doesn't have the the sophistication, just the, the utter cool of Cary Grant. So when you read that oops in the script, it, it sounds like almost like a huge gulp of air. <laughs> you know, oh, uh, he's been caught. But uh, the way Grant delivers it, it's uh, you know it's it's almost like it's it's fun to him. <laughs> it's a very suave whoops. <laughs> it's a very it's the suavest whoops I've ever heard. Uh, but he also, he also does that weird. Uh, his he's sliding over in his chair. Hmm. You know he's, it's uh, it's almost like he's on like a little track dolly. And they're just <laughs> moving him to one side. Uh, you know, the man knew how to talk on screen. The man also knew how to move on screen. It's it's like a perfect setup to that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, again, she delivers it. 
without, you know, just it it just slides past your teeth. It's yeah. Like, Oh yeah. By the way, in case you forgot, you're a, a murderer who's been on page one of every major newspaper in America. Uh, and Eve Kendall is the embodiment of cool. You know, Eve, even when she tells him not to worry, she won't say a word. I mean, just just <laughs> very great how she delivers those lines. Yeah, yeah. Very puts puts them at ease, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, it's 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 like a tennis match. Uh, I can I can only hope, uh, or I wish that uh, it had gone on longer. I, I would have loved to have stayed for dessert and what they would have talked about <laughs> like that. What do, you, what, do you remember what they had for dessert on the 20th Century Limited from that menu? Oh, I would have to look up the menu. Um, like Cherry's Jubilee? or I would just have Cherry's Jubilee. <laughs> you know, and whatever it was, it was, you know, like a $5 cup of ice cream in 1959. I mean, oh. <laughs> I don't think I looked at the dessert because I didn't want to be discouraged by the exorbitant prices that mm. you know the New York Central line had. I, I, I'm picturing you know like a twenty dollar cookie. Oh. I'm sure it'd be a very tasty one though. Ah, uh, but a but a very small 1959 cookie would have been about the size of a quarter. Oh. So, uh, I digress. I digress. <laughs> and then uh, let let's see. Then uh, yeah, I mean as this minute ends, uh, he he basically asks if if she's going to turn him in, but but no. She won't because she likes his face. It's a long night, and she doesn't like the book she started. I I wonder what book she was reading. Mm. (laughs) The Bible? (laughs) (laughs) Possibly, possibly. But again, again, she just, it's it's as if she's used to climbing aboard trains and and picking up handsome strangers and buying bad books. (laughs) Uh, So... um, I guess that's why she's a she's a great secret agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays it she plays it all well. She she just owns this minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Grant's reacting. He's having a lot of fun with it, but she's you know she may as well just pick up the tab for dinner. I hope she does. <laughs> but we won't find out. Yeah, his uh, Roger's last lines in this minute. He says, "Let me think," and that's that's it. <laughs> how's how's that for a cliffhanger that's right what will he say they get to go off to her room and discuss this book that she's not interested in reading and we're <laughs> still going to be stuck here in the dining car without, possibly forever without having had any dessert either no dessert and no. empty gibson glasses and these ridiculously small coffee cups <laughs> we will never know what happens after this because our our minutes are up mm. yes that that is it well it's it's been a fun 10 minutes uh and it's been an epic 10 minutes yeah. we went from uh, a secret washington uh uh, or someplace in the Pentagon, some someplace in Washington. I don't know the Pentagon, the Hexagon. Uh, but we went from an office there to uh, Grand Central Terminal to a train and trout and boy, a lot of things happened. Yeah, and if you think these minutes were great, wait till you get the next minutes coming up uh, on the Hitchcock Minute podcast. Uh, but let's just uh, sort of do some Friday uh, stuff over here, talking about this one. A shout-out to our comrades. Yes. First, let me just say that you can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. And uh, yes, we do want to talk about our 
our predecessors and our successors. So we want to thank our predecessors who did previous minutes, uh, the Wilder Ride, the Mandy Sucks Minute, Real Jaws Minute, and Minute Impossible. And uh, you know, Minute Impossible. I, I was listening to some of the episodes that these guys did, and uh, you know, it's it's great just to see the the variety of styles. You know, like if you were to compare, you know, the guys who did the Wilder Ride with uh, with Robert Black, who was doing Mandy Sucks Minute, um, you're going to get a lot of variety. And, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. We, but we, we are an invisible army. There are hundreds <laughs> of us out here helping Roger Thornhill get to Mount Rushmore. So, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, we, we have there, we have more, uh, comrades coming up. Yes, that's right. Uh, coming up next, we've got the Indiana Jones minute, the star Wars minute, edge of tomorrow minute, rocketeer minute, watchman minute, groundhog day minute, the mash minute, Jay and silent Bob minute, better off dead minute, and scene by scene with Josh and Dean, and that will take us through the entire film. So awesome! Yeah, awesome. I've heard some of those people. They know how to talk. This they, is exciting. Yeah, they do indeed. Yeah, and, and we've been lucky enough to be on a couple of these podcasts ourselves. You definitely want to stick around. Uh, I I don't want to uh, drop any spoilers, but Roger does leave the train. So keep <laughs> tuning in and find out what happens next. That's right. Uh, but if you do want to talk more about this, uh, you can go on social media, check out The Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook, and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. And again, make sure that you listen to, there are over a hundred different Movies by Minute podcasts out there. You can check them all out by going to moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, just go over there. You'll see all those great shows, including the ones we just talked about, and our own. Uh, if you ever want to check out uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, our minute podcast, is Five Minutes of Trouble. And we also did uh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension, also five minutes at a time. That's fiveminutesofbonsai.com. Find out for yourself what we were talking about. Absolutely. Uh, so that pretty much wraps it up for us. Uh, Brett, any final words before we uh, pass on the torch? Oh, I, I could keep talking about this movie, but I think this is a good place to... To jump off the train. I've never, I've never leapt off a moving train, so this will be a fun new experience. Yes. <laughs> Just watch for that step. Mind the gap. Mind the gap, indeed. Mind oh. the gap. Oh, wanted to also uh, make sure to have a, a quick shout out to Jim O'Kane for organizing this whole thing. This is his baby. The mastermind. And I believe he's, he's going to be uh, on when they do Racketeer Minute, I would guess, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. J okay. Jim just happens to have... Uh, the best scene in the movie. <laughs> That's A-OK -okay with me. Well, uh, yeah, so thanks to Jim. And uh, Brett, always a pleasure doing podcasts with you. Looking forward to our next one. Same here. We will be back, and in bigger numbers, too. So check <laughs> us out in the future. Enjoy the rest of the podcast and the train ride. And uh, goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are. Please join us here next time on the Hitchcock Minute. Bye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are. And have a Gibson. <laughs>